Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Listen, remain standing if you would. We're going to read the Word together in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. I'm going to let you be seated in just a second. We don't do this often, but just in reverence to the Word of God. Luke 24. Verse 13, it says this, that same day, this resurrection day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Praise team, you can go down, I'm so sorry. They were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you talking about? What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And one of them named Cleopas replied and said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. And Jesus said, what things? And they said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. So some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by the time they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, that means they finished what they were eating. (laughs) They were on the way back to Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for your word that we're going to dive into now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who uh, illuminates our hearts and our minds and gives us spiritual minds to receive spiritual things. And I ask, Lord, for the blessing of your spirit now to uh, open our hearts and minds to to not only hear the the truth and not only hear the word, but, but to obey it. 
to obey it. Change our lives today through your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you. Well, Easter is over. Easter's over. We celebrated the resurrection a, a couple of weeks ago. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose again to defeat death and hell and the grave so that we could live forever with him. Now what do we do? Now what? Well, we do what these two guys in the book of Luke did on the day that Jesus rose from the grave. You take a walk with the risen Savior. Last week we started a series called Walking with the Risen Savior. And we're looking at the experience that these two men had with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and we're learning from their, from their um, walk with Jesus, we're learning some things that might help us on our walk with him. Now, last week we learned that sometimes Jesus is in disguise. It, Jesus suddenly started walking with them, but they didn't even recognize it. They didn't realize it until he interrupted them. When, when we're walking with the risen Savior, sometimes we can't even see him, even though we're walking with him. It might be our own distractions, or it might be a divine decision to keep him hidden from us for a season. But either way, we can rest assured that through it all, Jesus is always with us because he said he would be. And he fulfills that promise through his Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for you that I go away because when I go away, the Father's going to send the Spirit. He's the Spirit of Christ who lives in every believer. And because we have his Spirit... We will never walk alone. We'll always walk with the risen Savior, just like they did on the day, uh, on this road to Emmaus. Now, this, this walk to Emmaus was only three days after the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus. The night before his arrest, or just a, a, an hour or two before he was arrested, Jesus had what was commonly referred to, what we commonly call the Lord's Supper with his 12 disciples. After that supper with Judas already going to, uh, to prepare to betray him, he, Jesus and the 11 disciples walked towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And on the way, Jesus said something to them that's really important to our understanding of this walk to Emmaus. So in, in John 15, this is what Jesus said. He said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then Jesus said something that was revolutionary. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Those who obey the command of Christ to love one another. Those who accept his sacrifice for their sins are not just servants or slaves to God. Jesus said, now you're my friends. That is a mind-blowing revelation. What an incredible honor to be called the friend of God, to be friends with the creator of all things, to be friends with the one who loves them so much that in just a matter of hours, he was going to lay down his life on the cross just so people would have the opportunity to be his friend. The opportunity to have their sins forgiven. So today we're going to explore that friendship a little bit in a message that I'm calling, What a Friend, 
we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now, at this point, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had ascended back to the Father, and he came back to earth. He was going to spend a few days to finish up establishing the church, making sure that his disciples understood everything that happened. So he was in a glorified body now. He was no longer bound by time or space or the laws of physics. Okay, He could go wherever he wanted to go at any given moment. It's interesting to me that um, he didn't actually want to go to Emmaus. Like, there was nothing in Emmaus. He didn't leave anything. Your daddy said that sometimes. I didn't leave nothing there. I ain't going. He didn't, Jesus didn't leave nothing in Emmaus that he needed to go back for. All right? He was not on the way to, to Emmaus. As, and we know this because once he got there, he didn't even stay. He, didn't, he disappeared. He didn't stay for dinner. He, he had no business there. And even if he had needed or wanted to go to Emmaus, he didn't have to walk seven miles to get there. Okay? That's, everywhere else, he just kind of appeared. Now he's walking seven miles. Here's the first thing I want to show you about being friends with the risen Savior, and that's this. Jesus was there for them. He was there for them. He chose to be in that place at that time because he wanted to be with them. Of all the people and all the places in the world, Jesus chose to be there. Why? Because that's where they were. He wasn't in it for the destination because he didn't need to go there. Listen, he was in it for the journey. He was there for them. Everybody needs that one friend that you can call and say, get your clothes on, I'll be there in five minutes. Right? Everybody needs that. And when you pull up in the driveway, like they just hop in, hopefully with snacks, and they don't even ask where you're going. You just get in. Like sometime, at some point along the journey, they go, hey, where are we going? You want some popcorn? Like, where, where are we going? They don't, they don't care if it's a fight or a funeral or a football game. Like, if you're going, they're going. Because you said you wanted them to go. Right? Why? Because they care about you. Because they love you. They don't need to be entertained. They don't need to be convinced. They don't need to be begged or bribed. The satisfaction of that kind of friendship is just being together. Thick or thin, doesn't matter. We're going together wherever we're going. That's cool. I want you to please take this personally. All right? What I'm about to say, please take it personally. When we said last week that Jesus was always going to be there for you and with you, and then when when you follow him in you, his focus is on you. Not the person beside you. Listen, take it personally. He isn't trying to, to use you to get what he wants out of you. It's not that kind of relationship. Jesus doesn't do that. I know everybody else in our lives, it seems like somebody always trying to get something out of us. Jesus just loves you. He just loves you because he loves you. When he said, I'm always with you, he is. When When he chose to come and die on the cross, he did it because of you. 
Nobody made him do it. When you're omnipotent, nobody gets to make you do nothing you don't want to do. He came because of you. You say, yeah, but John, what about doing the work of the kingdom? Doesn't Jesus want us to, to do his work and to work for him? In the... Yes, there's kingdom work that needs to be done. But listen, activity should flow out of identity. Activity flows from identity. What you do should be determined by who you are, not the other way around. You serve him because you love him. You work in his kingdom because you love him. And if it's important to him, then it's important to you because y'all are friends. Because that's what friends do for each other. It, it doesn't work the other way around. You can't work your way into a friendship with Jesus. No matter how much kingdom work you accomplish, it does not translate into friendship. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there will be many. And don't miss that. He said there's going to be many who will call me Lord, who will proudly present their resume of kingdom activity, who will expect a warm welcome and a great reward in heaven, but to whom Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Can I say that a different way? Jesus is going to say, we're not friends. We were never friends. Listen, the kingdom of God is just a group of the friends of Jesus. Friends of God through the work of his son, Jesus. You want to get in the kingdom of God? It's not through your own righteousness because even now, our own righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. It's not through your good works for, or your kingdom activity. Because there's not enough years in your life on this earth for you to accomplish enough to offset the sin that's in your heart. God's never going to be impressed enough to let us in. But you know what gets the doors swung open every time? You're friends with Jesus friends. My three oldest kids are 30 and 25 and 18, which is pretty incredible since I'm only 39. Um, they are old enough to have been through some stuff, right? Listen, don't think that this daddy doesn't notice who was there for them when they're going through their stuff. Don't think I'm not looking to see who their true friends are. Don't think it doesn't get my attention when somebody takes care of my kid. When they need it the most. Friends of my kids, my door is always open to you. Right? Friends of my kids, anything they need, if I've got it, it's theirs. Because they took care of my kid. Don't doubt that the father looks on you with love when you're a friend of his kid. When you're about his kid's business, when you're taking care of him and what he loves and what he needs to see happen, don't think that that doesn't get the attention of the Heavenly Father. 
of all the places in the world that Jesus could have been, he saw two friends of his walking to Emmaus. And he said, eh, I'm going to walk with them. He was not going with them just because they were going where he was going. He was there for them. What a friend we have in Jesus. Right? Here's the next thing we need to know about walking with our friend, Jesus. Jesus listens. Jesus listens. We all know that person, that friend of ours who talks all the time. Please do not point. That's rude. And those people can be entertaining and fun to be around, and we need those people in our lives who make us laugh and who talk all the time, and all of that's great. But there are moments of need where you need a friend who can also listen. Not just talk. Listen. I don't know if you've noticed this, but people have a need to be heard. If you're a boss, if you've got employees who are working for you, they don't expect you to do everything they ask of you or do, or that they tell you that they'd like to see done, but they do expect you to listen when they tell you something. People just want to be heard. Because when you're heard, you start to believe that you matter to somebody. It's really interesting to me that Jesus, the possessor of all knowledge, asked two questions before he ever made a statement. The passage says that Jesus interrupted them with a question about what they were talking about. Now, asking a question will sometimes give people the impression that you don't know what's going on, that that you don't understand. As a matter of fact, they actually stopped in the middle of the road, looked at Jesus and said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on. Imagine telling the risen Savior that he doesn't understand the crucifixion and the resurrection. They clearly did not glance down at his hands or his feet. Jesus didn't ask the question because he didn't know the answer. When you're omniscient, when you know all things, you never have to ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. But Jesus asked anyway. And in doing so, he appeared to be ignorant of what was going on when nothing could be further from the truth. That statement just jumped out at me when I read that passage that you must be the only one who doesn't know. Because there are times when you, when you walk with the Lord over a long period of time, there's going to be times when you're going to think that Jesus doesn't get it. Y'all going to lie in the house of the Lord today? Y'all ain't admitting nothing. You're like, I wasn't even there. I didn't see nothing. There will be times if you walk with the Lord long enough, you're not going to understand some things that go on. You're going to look, you're going to, you're going to say, listen, everybody seems to get this, but you, why you must be the only one who doesn't understand this, right? The reality is he's the only one who does understand this. So why did, why did they say that to him? 
Like that was sort of a dramatic moment on the way to Emmaus. Why would, why would they stop and say that? I think it's a couple of things. First, I think they probably really were surprised with all the hubbub and the chaos that was going on. Everybody was talking about it in the city of Jerusalem. That if he just came from Jerusalem and he didn't know what had just gone on, they really were shocked. But I think, secondly, I think it may have also been sort of an emotional reaction for them uh, in what had been a really trying and confusing week for them. Y'all ever get grumpy when you're going through a hard time? Say yes. Thank you. I ain't going to let you lie. Yes, you do. All right. These two guys had, in the course of a week, been from the triumphal entry where they were planning their new positions in the kingdom of God, which they thought was about to happen like this afternoon. They went from that to the arrest and the crucifixion, the burial of Jesus, and, and then now the reports of his resurrection. And they were emotionally upside down. They did not get it. So, so part of their response may have been like a wounded animal who snaps at the hand who's trying to help. But, but look at what Jesus did. He wasn't offended by their response to his simple question. He saw through it. He saw what was going on. Their friend Jesus recognized it for what it was and pushed through with another question. They said, you got to be the only one who don't know, who doesn't understand the things that have been going on. And Jesus said, well, what things? What things? You know what I would have said in that situation? Well, first of all, depending on my mood and my emotional state in the moment, I might have just said, hey, my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt. I wasn't trying to trigger you, bro. I was just trying to have a conversation. So y'all have a good day. Right? Like, you ain't got time for me. I ain't got time for you. I'm going on. That's just, y'all don't look at me like that. Sometimes you've got so much going on in your own life that you don't have the emotional space to be a good friend for somebody else. All right? Fortunately, being friends with Jesus means you won't ever catch him on a bad day or when he's got his own stuff that he's dealing with. He's the same yesterday and today and forever, and it's always about helping you. All right, so if I did happen to push through that response, <laughs> I might have also said, oh, because they, they, they said, oh, you must be the only one who don't know all the stuff that's going on. I, I would have said, oh, oh, the stuff with Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I know all about that stuff. I couldn't hear what you were saying. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Most of us have too much pride and insecurity to allow someone to assume we don't know something. We got to always play it off, don't we? Always act like we, we, we know stuff when we don't always know stuff. Y'all way quieter than your wives think you should be, gentlemen. Always got to be the smartest one in the room, right? Fortunately... Thank you, one honest man in the house. Fortunately, being friends with Jesus means you never have to deal with ego or insecurity. Jesus got nothing to prove to anybody, and he's got no ego. As a matter of fact, God told Moses, my name is I am who I am. 
He is comfortable and complete just being who he is. He's just God all the time. He's always the same. He's always who he is. He doesn't have anything to prove. He's got no pride. His focus in his interactions, his focus in his friendships is helping us. What a friend we have in Jesus. So why did Jesus ask them those two questions before he started, before he started talking? If he already knew what they were talking about, why didn't he just start teaching them? Because a good friend listens. He wanted them to say it. He didn't need to know. He already knew. But he wanted them to say it. We need to say it. He already knows. But we need to say it. It helps us process What's going on in our lives? You need to talk about your trauma. You need to talk about your pain. You need to talk about what's bothering you. Here's what I found in my life. Sometimes you don't even know what's bothering you until you hear yourself say it. I have heard stuff come out my mouth that I did not know about myself. Now, John, you got some serious issues. going. Yes, I do. <laughs> Just like everybody else in this room. But until you get with a friend that you can trust and start talking about what's going on. A friend who will listen to you. And sometimes you you don't know what's going on with yourself. Why do you think the New Testament tells us over and over again, confess your faults to, to each other. To each other. And bear each other's burdens. What does that even mean? It means you need to talk about it. We need a friend to be able to talk about it. So Jesus pushed through the rejection. He pushed through their misguided assumption that he didn't understand. He pushed through the emotional response that they had. And he kept asking questions until they finally spilled what was in their hearts. A good friend will harass you and question you and listen to you until you finally get down to what's really bothering you. It's only when you get real that you can actually start to heal. I didn't mean to make it rhyme, but it just does. All right? It's only when you get real that you can actually start to heal. You say, I'm I'm not sure I want to talk to Jesus about my problems. How could he ever understand what I'm going through? Well, because he's been through it too. I know we talk about Jesus being the son of God. He was also a human being. Hebrews says he was tempted to sin in every way that we are. So he definitely understands the temptations that, you, that we go through. He also understands pain, he understands grief, he understands rejection, he understands heartache. All the stuff that goes along with being a human, he's been there, he's done that. And the Bible says that he doesn't just understand it just because he knows everything. It says he's moved by the feeling of it in our lives. Moved to compassion. Moved to understanding and connecting and listening. Listen, at its essence, 
what prayer is, is Jesus, our friend, listening to us spill the contents of our hearts. That's half of prayer right there. The other half is listening on the other side. But half of prayer is just you telling Jesus what's going on in your heart. You don't have to phrase it right. There's no magic words. There's no formula. There, there's, you don't have to sound religious when you do it. It's just one friend talking to another friend. You should try it. Jesus listens. He listens. There's a lot of, lot of footprints on my driveway. Where I've been out there, usually the dog too, because she has to come. Well, me and the dog are out there talking to Jesus. Out loud. Yeah, it's something to see. But you have to say it. You have to say it. I also have to say it just so I keep myself focused. <laughs> so I can, anyway, that's an ADD thing. Never mind. Uh, here's, the, here's the last thing. The last thing about uh, Jesus being our friend. Um, Jesus tells you the truth. He tells you the truth. If you look at their response to Jesus' questions, you'll see that they only gave the facts. They never drew any conclusions. They said, well, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this might have happened, and we're not really sure about that. It was, uh, everything they said was just information. And so what does that mean? It means they're still confused. It means they still haven't processed what's going on. They, they didn't know what it meant yet. Once they got everything out and Jesus listened to them, then he started to talk. And when he spoke, he told them the truth. He said, oh foolish people, why don't you believe what the prophets told you about the Messiah? See, everybody needs a friend who will tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. Right? Everybody needs a friend who will say, baby girl, you don't need to wear that. Right? There, everybody, needs, uh, everybody needs a friend who will say, dude, you're a jerk to your wife. Stop. Like, everybody needs a friend who will say, I know, you know I love you, but you're wrong about this. Now, before you claim the title of being that friend for everybody in your life, I'm not talking about being rude. All right? Just because you like to be rude does not mean this is the position for you in those people's lives. You can tell the truth and not be a jerk. You can also be a jerk that ain't got nothing to do with telling the truth. Just because you like to hurt people's feelings does not mean that you're a truth teller. I'm talking about loving the person enough to tell them the truth, listen, in a way and at a time that they can hear it. There are times when you don't even talk to me. I'm not hearing anything. Give me a minute or 20. Right? You, you, I need somebody who will love me enough to tell me what I need to hear, but you need to do it in a way that I can hear it and at a time that I can hear it. And every one of us need that saint, that person in our lives. Jesus said, y'all being foolish. It ought to be clear to you. You're confused by these events, wondering if he's the Messiah, when everything you just described to me was prophesied hundreds of years ago. 
And then after his patience and persistence in getting them to talk, Jesus spent the next several miles of their journey hashing it all out for them. He just laid it all out. He connected the dots. He was bringing insight. He was reminding them of things that they had heard before. And he was teaching them maybe some things they had not realized. He discerned their needs from the thoughts of their heart that they had shared. And then out of friendship and love, Jesus helped them see what they needed to see. When you, when you walk with Jesus, the risen Savior, you're not only going to learn that he listens to you, you're also going to learn that he speaks back. I told you half of prayer is just pouring out your guts to, to your friend. The other half is shutting up and listening to what he says back. He shows you things in his word. That's why it's important to read the word. He shows you things in his word that will apply to you and your situations. And then his Holy Spirit will speak to you in your heart. And he'll help connect dots and see things that maybe you hadn't noticed before. As a matter of fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's role on this earth is to lead you, to guide you into truth. That's the truth about Jesus and the truth about yourself. And how God's truth and his word applies in your life. He connects, he corrects, he encourages, he reveals wisdom, and he conceals your vulnerabilities. You never have to worry about it. He's never going to spread your business or use it against you. Because love covers. Love covers. He's always and only and ever for you, not against you. His word His spirit bring healing and wisdom and understanding and comfort and companionship and most of all, peace. Peace. The next time you're confused or you're lonely, the next time you go through a trial or a difficulty, reach out to Jesus as a friend. Reach out to him. You can tell him anything. The Lord... The Lord brought this back to my mind. I haven't shared this in a long time. So, 2000, I've been pastoring this church since 2012, December of 12. Somewhere around um, June of 2016, Valerie and I had a conversation one afternoon, and we determined that we were pastoring a church that we probably wouldn't have attended. That things just weren't, they just weren't, something wasn't right. I don't mean sin. I mean, it just felt like I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And so I said, I got to go find the Lord. And so I called a friend and I went out in their woods for a few hours. And I walked and I sat and I cried. I might have screamed a few times. I don't know. But I talked to the Lord. We like out loud talked to the Lord for a while until I finally discovered what the issue was and knew what the path forward was and I did all the repenting I needed to do and I got the revelation that I needed to get and the direction that I needed to go and from that day to this whatever we are right now started in those woods in 2016 when the Lord corrected my course All right, that came from a conversation with a friend 
I had to get it out. I had to share my frustrations and my hurt and my pain and all the stuff for him to say, yeah, I got all of that. Now here's what you're not seeing. Here's what you don't know. And he set me on a path that was a much truer representation of of who I'm supposed to be. So the next time you're confused or you're lonely or something's just not right, why don't you go somewhere you can talk to the Lord? You can talk to Him in the car. Now we got Bluetooth stuff. People just think you're on the phone. They don't even look at you weird anymore. Like, you can talk in the car. You you do whatever you have to do, but find your friend and have a conversation. The book of Proverbs speaks to the attributes of the bests the best kinds of friend. I want to show you two, two of them. In, in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in times of need or in times of adversity. The next chapter, Proverbs 18, 24, says there are, quote, friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. What's it like walking with a risen Savior? It's like walking with a friend. A friend who just happens to have all power and all knowledge and a pure heart who loves you completely and selflessly. A friend who's loyal in adversity. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who listens. A friend who loves you enough to speak the truth to you. A friend who's always there for you. What a friend we have in Jesus. Y'all stand with me, please. I don't necessarily preach for an altar call as much as I I, I preach for what I hope to be life change. Um, I, I'm not discounting. Lord knows I've had plenty of, of pivotal moments in my spiritual life in an altar. I'm not discounting that at all. I just want you to understand that following Jesus is not just about what happens in church or what happens in an altar. It's about what happens on Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoon and Saturday nights. It's about the every day when you wake up on Monday morning and you're not, you can't, don't even, <laughs> not even sure where you are on Mondays, right? He's, he's still God. He's still your friend. And he still wants to be with you. And so what, I'm in, what I want to encourage you to do today is, it, I do want you to come to the altar if you, if you need to pray about something. If you're saying, man, John, I've been, a, I've been a believer for all these years and I'm not sure I've ever seen Jesus as a friend. I'm not sure I've ever had conversations with him like you're saying. Well, why don't you come and start the conversation now? Right, so if you want to come to the altar and start that conversation, say, "Man, I, Jesus, I gotta, I need, to, I'm gonna talk to you now, but I need to talk to you tomorrow too, and the next day." Right, so that's cool. If you've got something else going on and there's a specific issue in your life that you need to come and start having a conversation with Jesus, please do that. If you've got a physical need in your body, you got a financial issue, you got a relationship need, you've you've got a, a big decision coming up, you need to know which way to go. All of those things you can talk with your friend Jesus about. And he hears you, and he talks back, and he opens doors that no man can close, and he closes doors that no man can open. It is a beautiful relationship, but I want to encourage you to come and do that. 
But let me say this before we pray. If there's anybody here who does not have a relationship with Jesus, then you are not friends with him yet. And I want to encourage you to come and surrender your life to him because he is the way and the truth and the life and the only way to have right relationship with God the Father. And if you want to come, we can have more conversations about what that means. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your word and for your presence. And I thank you. I thank you for your friendship. Not because I, I know I don't deserve a friend like you. And I certainly didn't earn my way into our friendship. You did everything and brought me in. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray that you help me to take full advantage of my friendship with you. To experience you and to walk with you and to talk with you every step of every day. Thank you that you love us and that you hear us and that you talk back to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.